from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com and their affiliate stations. And don't forget, you can learn more about our show and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest again is Dr. Judy Wood, and she is the author of Where Did the Towers Go? Dr. Judy Wood earned a PhD degree from Virginia Tech. She's a former professor of mechanical engineering. She has research expertise in experimental stress analysis, structural mechanics, deformation analysis, materials characterization, and materials engineering science. Dr. Wood started to question the events of 9-11 on that same day because what she saw and heard on television seemed to contradict and violate the laws of physics. And since that day, she's used her knowledge of engineering mechanics to prove that the collapse of the World Trade Center Twin Towers could not have happened, as the American public was told. We started our interview last week and we ran out of time. There's just so much to cover. So she was good enough to come back with us again this week. So Dr. Wood, let's pick up where we were last week. When we ended, we were just getting to dustification. So why don't we catch up with that first? I'm talking about the destructive mechanism. We rule out kinetic energy and thermal energy. Now, the buildings didn't burn up, nor did they slam the ground. Uh Also, also the lack of seismic signal. And there wasn't enough stuff left over. There's something else happened. The the building came apart. But looking at the tipping top of the South Tower, as it's rotating, it it appears to stop rotating. Mm -hmm. If it was still a rigid unit, that would violate the laws of conservation of angular momentum. But if it doesn't remain a rigid unit, then it doesn't violate the laws of physics. So this is another type of proof that the building was turned, that top chunk was turning into dust. That's why it didn't appear to keep rotating, because all the little particles within it were now being able to rotate separately, and it wasn't just translating through space. So it it turned into dust, or it became dust, and didn't slam to the ground. The building right below it, building four, it would have slammed down on top of that. But the underground, if you go one story right below ground level, you're in the mall. And there's the main body of building four kind of went missing in that that part right in the mall under building under the part that went missing is a little bit punched in but below that in the parking garage it doesn't look like anything happened except there's a little bit more dust on the floor the lights right. are still on it's, it's rather incredible you know and here's something else that I, I don't think a lot of people know this I mean I didn't realize that there were set was it seven buildings in that complex mm-hmm. so how is it that we're only hearing about the towers one and two and then at we're the end of the seven. day they were they were pulling seven but what happened to the rest of them? Uh, what do you mean pulling seven? What, what well, didn't pulling they, seven? isn't that the words they use, that we have to pull this? Is no, that that's, that's, a, that's a misleading statement out of context that came from a movie, you know, a year or two later. You know, just look at what we know that we know that we know, not what we're told, what we, right. what we know that we know that we know. And don't imagine, you know, things to be so that we don't know. That, that's a big trick in this. It takes a lot of discipline to not make assumptions. And if you look at what happened with with the demise of Building 7, for seven hours, you know, all day long, it was uh, fuming. And I call it lathering up. There's this really heavy dust coming out of it. A lot of material leaving the building all afternoon. And then uh, at 520, uh, it, it it appears to drop down, but it makes a 0.6 on the Richter scale. Just It only creates a surface wave. A 0.6 on the Richter scale is like a jackhammer. The Las Vegas you know, controlled demolitions make a whole lot more. The controlled demolition of the kingdom, which is a lot of data for that because they're worried about it triggering a, an earthquake, so they had a lot of seismic measurements of it. The earthquakes and controlled demolitions, there's three kinds of waves mainly. There's S waves, the shear wave, or uh, the P wave, which is the first one to get there. And the delay, because they, they travel through the earth at different speeds, you can tell how far away the epicenter is by the delay between the S wave and the P wave. And then there's the surface wave from which they calculate the equivalent uh, Richter scale reading. All, all five incidences on their events on 9-11 in New York, you know, the, the plane-shaped holes in the two buildings, and then the demise of Tower 1, 2, and 7, none of those had a detectable S wave or P wave at any of the seismic stations. 
In other words, the signal did not travel through the earth. Mm-hmm. So the buildings did not slam to the ground. Right. If they turned to dust before they slammed to the ground, that would explain what happened because you're taking the weight off the ground. You know, imagine King Kong reached over and grabbed the towers and just chucked them up into space. So you're taking that weight off of the ground, kind of like getting off your mattress in the morning. It springs back. And that would create a, a, a surface wave. And building six is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, building seven is six times the potential energy of the kingdom. The kingdom, uh, when they blew it up, it was a 2.3 on the Richter scale. And so you should have had a bigger right. signal, not, not a non-existent signal. And if you look at the uh, seismic chart, you see something around the time of building seven's demise, or right after it. And that's an earthquake that happened um, in the Fox Islands up by Alaska. And all afternoon you see, you know, blasting at um, uh, various rock quarries in New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania. But, you you know, so we know the seismic charts are working. They're operational. But when it gets down to the demise of seven, it's almost a non-seismic event. It's just barely detectable out of background noise. Some of the stations couldn't even detect any anything at all out of background noise. Mm-hmm. And you know, Doctor Wood, remarkable. <clears throat> That's not a controlled demolition, right? And and I would like to talk about fire. A lot of p- people believe that the demise of these buildings was fire. Now, you in your book have a really interesting transcript. It was from a 9/11 call where a woman's explaining how she's feeling heat. But um, if as if, but the building did not burn, and it, we thought people were jumping out because of the heat. But apparently, in this transcript that you have, she kept saying that she was hot, but she didn't see fire when the dispatcher asked her about fire. I and, actually have that recording. Um, you, you could uh, play it. I could send it to you. You play it. It's, uh, she's saying, yeah, I'm really hot. I'm really hot. I'm burning up, burning up. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm choking. I'm choking. And you never once hear her choke or have trouble breathing or cough. But or any of the other people, right? You, you right. point out that you don't hear any of the other people coughing in the background. And, and I'm, at first I, I thought this was, you know, a hoax of an of a audio, but then I realized, no. Uh, that, that there's something else that explains this, that she thought she was burning up. She could not have been really, really hot inside the core of her body because, as you know, there's a limit to how long you're allowed to stay in the hot tub. Right. Because after a certain point, you're, you cannot operate your muscles if your body's too hot. It does, your muscles don't work. So she would be the opposite of being hyper. She would be, you know, really lethargic. And I had this experience myself uh, at Virginia Tech. I used to swim in the morning, and it's one night uh, some fraternity guys thought they'd pull a prank and they cranked up the thermostat, and it was either 92 or 92 degrees in the morning. I thought, oh, great. And they said, swim at your own risk. And I oh, I hate getting in this cold water, so this is going to be fun. And I jumped in, and I get about halfway across the, the swimming pool. I realize I'm in trouble. I'm putting out more heat than what I can dissipate. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to roll over on my back and just chill out and, you know, Somebody threw me a rope, and I remember thinking to myself, that's hard to reach for that rope. It's like swimming through honey. Ah, is it worth the trouble? You know, <laughs> you just, you're so lethargic. Yeah. And that you didn't hear in Melissa Doy's voice. She was saying, I'm really hot, I'm really hot, I'm burning up, burning up, can't breathe, can't And she apparently checked every square inch before. She's very hyper. And that's more consistent with, you know, an energy field of some sort. Like, um, let's say it was a microwave field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where the skin thinks it's burning up, but the core of the body is not overheated because you, you wouldn't be able to function. Your muscles wouldn't work. And she doesn't stumble or trip in her speech. It's it's remarkable. And you also look at the, the quote, jumpers. You know, think about it. If you had something in the building going on where it was intense pain, you're just going to jump away from that. It's like, if your hand's on a stove, a red-hot stove burner, you don't say, hmm, should I take my hand off or exactly. not? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You just do you know, it. He just flies off. And uh-huh. so you see these guys flying through the air, and they're like, how did I get here? Whoa. And you see them flapping their wings. You, you see their arms from the elbow down are out of focus, like like they're flapping their wings. And it, it's like they don't realize how they got there. Uh, they're just out the window without because it was something must have been bad, awful, intense. And you see other ones hanging on the outside of the building, taking their clothes off. You see some with their shirts gone, their, their pants gone. This one fellow that really grabbed me, it, you know, I, I realized, you know, this is hard to think about. It's a horrible 
horrible, painful situation he's put folks. And then I realized if I were in this guy's position, I'd want somebody to tell my story. And I felt like I made a promise to him that I would tell his story. And and so then it became a lot easier to handle. And this guy looks like he's hanging by one hand and one foot, taking his pants off. And he's hanging on the outside of the 105th floor of the North Tower. And, you know, what makes sense? You know, firefighters don't fight fire in the nude. Mm-hmm. Clothing protects you from heat. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, okay, if I were in that situation, first thing I'd do is run to the bathroom and get my clothes wet. I thought the building was on fire before we lost water pressure. And then, you know, have extra clothes on my desk. Okay, I'd soak those down, wrap around my head, head for the stairs. Uh, And so I'd be wet. If there was a fire and the sprinklers kicked on, people would be wet. If the sprinklers didn't kick on, it was hot in there, you'd be sweating, you'd be wet. So there's a pretty good chance that they're wet. If this a kind of an energy field like, you know, I'm not saying this is it, but just you know, consider an analogy to um, a microwave field. Uh, you know, things in your microwave oven, water is what gets heated, but the paper towel doesn't. Like, you know, right. if you put a, a piece of chicken on a paper plate, the chicken cooks and the paper plate doesn't. Right. So if uh-huh. there's some kind of an energy field in there that affects water differently, that would be consistent with what they were doing. I'm not saying that that is what it was, but it would be consistent with something like that. But it doesn't make sense for smoke. You know, if it's smoking inside the building, we didn't see smoke come out the window. And if for some strange reason the guy wanted to take his pants off, why take him off outside the building? Why not just take a big, deep breath, step inside, take pants off, and step back outside? You know, hold your breath. If If there's smoke inside, and if that's why... They have to necessitate taking them, on out, taking them off outside. But what it it, it you know, becomes clear that there's something that makes the clothing too painful to have on. And there's some people you see uh, on the way down. One guy is a pant leg trailing off his foot on the way down. He's like 100 feet from the building. Mm-hmm. How do you get out that far? That I didn't That's- realize till I read your book. And uh, these windows are so narrow, you can't really get a running start and jump out. And so I was thinking, okay, this is like a, better than a world record uh, uh, effort at a standing broad jump to right. get out that far. And if somebody's really hot, they're not going to be able to, you know, chop the world record in a standing broad jump. So you're saying that this energy, whatever it was, would have pushed him out that far? Uh, no, not necessarily. I'm, I'm just noting that the story we were given doesn't explain why he's 100 feet from the building. Right. That uh, if if the building's hot inside, it, it, nobody can jump that far because they're, they're that hot. They're not going to jump world record, you know, standing broad jump. Okay, Dr. Wood, we have to take our first break. Listeners, today our guest is Dr. Judy Wood, author of Where Did the Towers Go? And we will be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. 
You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Dr. Judy Wood. She's the author of Where Did the Towers Go? It's a book on the evidence that she found on the, regarding the happenings on 9-11. Dr. Wood, what is your web address again? DrJudyWood.com. That's D-R-J-U-D-Y-W-O-D.com. Or Where Did the Towers Go?.com for the book. Okay. And, Dr. Wood, in your book, let's talk about these cars. You were saying that there's cars as far as, like, seven blocks away, and parts of them are burnt and parts aren't, and what was all that about? And then there's paper surrounding that's not burnt, but it was just really an interesting, unexplainable phenomena. Yeah, I don't call it burned because that's assuming the cause is being mm-hmm. fire. Mm-hmm. I say toasted. It's toast. It's history. You know, it's, it's toasted. You know, it's something that got toasted. And it, it allows me to use a placeholder so I don't bias my observations. Is it, if you call this haze in the air smoke, then you're assuming the cause be fire. Uh-huh. Uh, I call that fume. So it's, it's, taking on this new vocabulary is a way of blinding yourself to otherwise biasing you know, your observations. So I, I say they're, they're toast, but there's at least 1,400 toasted cars that had to be hauled off. There was enough left to, to say it was a you know, toasted vehicle hauled away in the cleanup. And they're all around, including you know, a, a couple blocks uh, uh, northwest. There's a big parking lot full of vehicles that got toasted. And most of them were toasted there. But West Broadway, every single vehicle for about four blocks was toasted in some, some way. Some, at least some portion of them. And it, it wasn't like a regular car fire. You can tell the difference mm-hmm. that it's like material specific. It likes to get door handles, but doesn't go after the police lights on top of the police car. The inside of this one vehicle is just completely toasted, nothing left except metal. And it, it must have been some rip roar and fire to do that. But then you realize the police lights on top made out of polycarbonate aren't, you know, type of plastic, they aren't melted. How how do you put plastic lights on a grill that's rip-worn hot and not have them melt? So there's something else that was going on in the vehicle. And uh, also, you have fittings like um, door latches and that type of thing seem to let go. So you had uh, trunk lids popping up uh, and and various fittings like for the reflectors on the side of the the vehicles were Mm -hmm. off. But you have hanging over those vehicles these big bushy green trees that aren't burnt. And you have pictures of that, I believe. Yep, and the sea of unburned paper up and down the street. And the bus, the toasted bus that was on West Broadway, is particularly striking because, you know, there's no scorch marks on it. And there's this bright white on it, as though it was white plastic that blew up and popped like a balloon. It's it's bizarre looking. It doesn't look like a bus that burned up. And what are these things that you call Cheetos, the orange-colored pieces of debris? Uh, To make sure that I'm not, uh, you know, jumping to a conclusion and biasing my observation, saying, oh, a hot glowing metal. Well, that's an assumption. It's orange color. It's It's a, you know, like a solid cylinder that's bent. And it's glowing a uniform bright orange over the whole thing. But it's sitting on a piece of paper, and the paper's not burning. Mm-hmm. So it can't be hot. It can't be glowing because it's hot. It's glowing for a different reason. And as I say, hot things do glow, but not everything that glows is hot. Right. And in my book, I give an example of a fluorescent light and an incandescent light. 
They both glow. One of them's hot and one of them's not. So there's something that was causing this thing to glow. You know, people can make assumptions about what that was, but the fact is, you know, without making any assumptions, you see that something's causing that thing to glow, and it's uniform temperature. And including this uh, grappler picking up something glowing, this metal, a lot of folks say, oh, hot glowing metal. You don't pick up, uh, I mean, hot molten metal that's picking up. You can't pick up molten metal because that's a puddle. Molten metal is a puddle. But, uh, you know, if it was really hot, it would have destroyed the hydraulics. Your automobile is designed to have its engine work in a particular temperature range. You work outside that temperature range, like you you uh, disconnect your radiator, it, you destroy the engine because it's not designed to work at that high temperature. The same with the hydraulics. And you have all these grapplers driving all over the debris field. I won't call it a pile, the debris field. And we didn't hear any reports of uh, the hydraulics being destroyed. So you have this hydraulics you know, bucket that's digging down to pick up something. You should also ask, uh, is it taking it to the dumpster? You know, it has this glowing thing. And you see these glowing things in the ground. So I call them Cheetos because you're not going to confuse this with a, a snack food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the word is going to be familiar to you that you remember it. Like uh, I talk about tacos and burritos and, and cake batter and mm-hmm. lasagna noodles. I think you know the pieces I'm talking about. Yeah. Those images. It, it just it, it describes their shape and their, the weirdness of them in a, in a unique way. You know, and you also in your book, you had a really interesting um, quote from a fire marshal, Richard McKay. And keep, if you keep in mind, most people think that those towers were destroyed by fire. But then he basically says that he realized that the haze was not smoke, but it was, and, and he said dust. Then he realized he could breathe and there was no heat. And then he says that, in fact, he felt like cool air was coming in when he breathed. So how could that be if it was fire? I talked to uh, quite a few first responders personally, and they all said that initially the dust cloud was cooler than ambient temperature. Then it started to eat on the skin, and and you weren't really sensing the temperature, but it's kind of acid in your hand. It could be cool, but it felt like it was hot because it was eating up your skin. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something activated in it. But uh, that is a, an excellent point, that firefighters know that uh, smoke displaces oxygen. They can't breathe. But even though this you know, stuff was hazed through the air, it was rolling and it looked like smoke, then they suddenly realized, wait, we can breathe. You know, they stuck their face down the, their, in their armpit of their shirt to use their shirt as a filter so they wouldn't be breathing in directly um, this dustified air. The dustified building there. There's, there's also um, uh, a, a, a newbie. Uh, I think this was his first trip out on a on a on a call, and he was supposed to follow his his um, supervisor and do exactly what his supervisor told him. And they start climbing the stairs of of building one, and it gets to a point where he says, "Oh, drop everything." I think that was when Tower 2 was coming apart. And then they later continue on up, and this boss looks over and says, where's your face mask? Well, boss, you said drop everything. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you took him literally, poor, poor guy. And you get out of here. You, get, you, you, you have no business being here. Get out of here if you don't have a face mask. So he starts going down the building by himself. Turns out this saved his life. Uh, he gets down to the third floor, and the third floor is turned into, I, I call it lather. It's op- my definition of that is opaque dust where it blocks out 100% sunlight and he realized that he could breathe that it wasn't smoke but it was just really really thick dust that the building was coming apart and he got down to the ground level and got out and was you know walk along this ledge so they didn't get hit by jumpers and so forth and made it around this uh, one woman stopped in front of me said lady you're going to get us killed keep moving keep moving and they just barely had gotten far enough away from the building right when the building came apart mm-hmm. so that tells you that was just before the building final demise that it was turning to dust internally you know lathering up as i as i call it but this firefighter recognized that that he could breathe so it couldn't be smoke 
And then the steel toe toe boots thing, the steel toe boots melting uh, that some of the emergency crew had on, but yet there was no report of burnt feet. How could that be? Right. If if my steel oven is melting, the turkey inside is more than well done. Right. So if if it's melting because of heat, so it it was coming apart from some other reason. Now these guys aren't material scientists. They're describing what they're experiencing the best way they can. Like George Stephanopoulos was doing the best he could to describe it. He, he didn't have evidence of the building vaporized because it would have been hot. Mm-hmm. But he was stumbling to find the words to describe what he was had, had seen. Mm-hmm. And the same with these uh, folks with the steel-toed boots. So something was affecting the boots and making them disintegrate, basically. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that was going on that day was levitation. Um, I saw a video online while researching where a couple of EMTs are being interviewed, and they're talking about how they're picked up in the air and swept away. And there was a quote by one of the EMTs, Renee O'Carroll, and this this, uh, EMT says, What happened when I got to the corner? Because I remember my feet hitting, coming off the sidewalk. Another blob of stuff came around. Ash came around another building in front of me, and it caught me in front of me and in back of me, and everything was pitch black. Where it hit me from the front and the back, it actually lifted me off the ground and threw me. It was like someone picked me up and just threw me on the ground. What was that about? There's a lot of uh, stories like that, like uh, feeling like they're picked up in a tornado and carried someplace. And I, it may have been that EMT, but it was one of them that said that they were carried down some stairs. And in struggling to try to fit it into their worldview, they decided they must have died and God carried them down the stairs because how else did they float down the stairs? Mm-hmm. If they, they were levitating. There was uh, an EMT that, uh, while Building 2 was coming apart, dove under an emergency services vehicle. And he thought he was a goner, and he was hunkered down there, and everything was black when it got quiet. And he thought, okay, he's buried in this big tunnel. And then eventually the dust cloud cleared, and he looked up and saw blue sky. There was no vehicle over him. Mm -hmm. He he didn't remember the vehicle flying off him or rolling off him. Just there was no vehicle over him anymore. Unbelievable. He had dove dove underneath the uh, vehicle. It's also um, a fellow going through the lobby of Building 6 with uh, his, his fellow firefighters were just, you know, arm's length away. They didn't survive, and he did. He was right on the edge of that cord out section, and uh, it really troubled him. They were just gone. Just the middle part of the building just went missing. All right. Well, Dr. Wood, we got to take our next break, and when we come back, let's talk about noise. We got so much more to cover. Noise, Hutchison effect, and a hurricane named Aaron. Yes, there was a hurricane right off the coast that day, folks. I I had no idea until I uh, read that book. So Dr. Judy Wood, if you could just hold for one second, we'll be back. Listeners, today is my guest, Dr. Judy Wood, author of Where Did the Towers Go? on the Truth Seekers radio show. three letters in the alphabet that strike terror in most of us. These are the three letters you need to avoid at all costs. I-R-S. If the IRS is coming after you for $15,000 or more in back taxes, you don't want to fight them alone. You need the help of the tax resolution experts at U.S. Tax Relief. They've helped thousands of people like you eliminate up to 85% of their delinquent taxes. If you qualify, U.S. Tax Relief can settle your tax debts for less than you owe, remove penalties and interest, and protect you from bank levies and garnishments. If you owe the IRS at least $15,000 in back taxes, call U.S. Tax Relief now for a free consultation and see how much money they can save you. Call 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. For thousands of years... 
people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the acai berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic acai extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is Dr. Judy Wood, author of Where Did the Towers Go? We're talking about the evidence and what she found regarding the happenings on 9-11. So, Dr. Wood, what about how could so much debris barely really make no noise? Listen to this quote. This is out of your book. It's Chief Medical Officer David Prasant, and he says, No matter how many firefighters I talk to, what I think about most is a universal concept, that there was not a lot of noise with the collapse. It was not a lot of noise. It was enough for all of those people to start running, but not enough noise for me to be at all that concerned. I have to say I only ran because they ran. So what do you know about the lack of noise that day, Dr. Judy? It definitely wasn't something collapsing because you think of uh, 500,000 tons worth of uh, uh, dump trucks, you know, those big dump trucks that bring stuff out of rock quarries. Mm-hmm. It would have sounded, you know, like a pretty big uh, amount of noise if those were came crashing to the ground. Right. If you right. don't have weight crashing to the ground, you're not going to hear that much noise. Now, you you spend time uh, talking about this Hutchison effect. Could you talk to uh, us about that and explain what that is? Well, first of all, you know, I show evidence in the book. People like to say I have a theory or a hypothesis. No, I show evidence, evidence and uh, an analysis of the evidence. Some of that evidence includes parallel evidence. Like, you know, I just earlier was talking about lights, how you have fluorescent lights and incandescent lights. Mm-hmm. One, one is hot, one's not, but they both glow. That's an example that I'm saying that's parallel evidence. So part of the parallel evidence I show is, uh, the Hutchison effect, but that's what John Hutchison did is uh, replicate the work of Nikola Tesla. And I, I need to see things, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, part of part of me grew up in Missouri, you know, the Show Me State. Right. I'm not going to believe it. You need, need to see it. And uh, I don't know how to go back in time to see uh, Tesla do it, but in the here and now, John Hutchison lives, and he can replicate this. Okay, so I go go to his lab and watch it. It's uh, it's definitely a uh, a phenomenon that's you know quite interesting, but it also exists in nature. Think of tornadoes. Mm-hmm. People get picked up by tornadoes, you know, carried someplace, or tornadoes slice a building in two. How'd that happen? That's not wind doing it. There's a, a really strange phenomenon that does this that few people talk about. It's not in our uh, science books, so people don't think about it that much. But John Hutchison can reproduce it in his lab. And as well as other uh, people, um, they just was looking at what causes what we saw, you know, what parallel evidence, what what processes, and the hurricane issue becomes quite interesting at that point. Hurricanes uh, do some strange damage as well, <clears throat> but in looking through this, and you know, various other things that come up about that, you know, that have, produce the same type of Effects, including what was known as cold fusion, right. that uh, low low energy nuclear reactions, without you know huge high temperatures, that produce tritium, 
and also transmutation. And in John Hutchison's work, the same sort of thing happens. He's gotten uh, materials to dustify or levitate. Uh, there's an article about his work that says that describes it as lift or disruption. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, that's what, I'd already cataloged all the different types of data before I saw John Hutchison's website. And what hit me was that very phrase that uh, here were some toasted cars. There's one car that's toasted, really completely toasted, but it's sitting upright. And the one in front of it's not toasted, but it's upside down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like in the regular parking space, but upside down. So it's lift or disruption, which is kind of interesting. And so, uh, you know, just looking at, I'm not saying that the Hutchison effect did. I'm not saying uh, that light bulbs did it. (laughs) It's just looking looking at these phenomena that people probably aren't aware of, but this is something that someone can do plugged into a a 110 socket in the wall, you know, creating these, these strange effects. And what is this about? And this is the first I ever heard about. There was a hurricane, Hurricane Aaron. It was right off the coast of New York City on the morning of 9-11. And in your book, you actually have a piece of an article. It um, is was published in Science Daily on October 11, 2005. And it actually talks about this Hurricane Aaron. It was, the title of the article was, NASA makes a heated 3D look into Hurricane Aaron's eye. So when did you first become aware that there was a hurricane right off the coast of New York City on that morning? It probably was around 2005 or 2006. I I was uh, fascinated with the fact that the dust went up. You look at the dust roll-up videos, the dust rolls out and then it goes up. Mm -hmm. And, And Man, that's peculiar. Let's see how far up it goes. So... Hmm, let's, how can I figure that out? Well, oh, wait, I can find some weather satellite images. And I can see if I can see the dust from there. And so I go dig up some weather satellite images, and oh, my gosh, what is that? That looks like a hurricane. That's how I found it. I mean, that had to be a shock, because we didn't hear anything about that. Actually, no, actually, that was um, January 2008, maybe, I, I saw that. That's uh-huh. right. I remember where I was when I, when I saw that. Yeah, because it was, it was a... Very amazing thing. It, it wasn't non-reported. It was just under-reported. And on pages 400 and 401 of the book, I show um, the screenshots of weather reports 10 minutes to 15 minutes before the North Tower got its hole. And so like around 8.30 in the morning on 9-11. So there's no reason you know, to be covering anything else but normal morning weather report. And... Even though they show that patch of the ocean at that time, they don't show the hurricane that was right there, which is is really bizarre. They do show uh, Fox uh, actually showed the uh, high pressure system that was moving in. Mm-hmm. That was correct, but uh, most of them didn't show that. Uh, only Fox, I think, showed the high pressure system and pointed it out. And I remember the guy said. This is a real serious, you know, high-pressure high system, real, real system here. Like, it was a serious high-pressure system moving across the U.S. The entire U.S. was clear with this high-pressure system. And they knew that was going to turn the hurricane around at some point. Well, they thought it was going to turn around day one, and it didn't. It still was headed in a beeline towards New York City. And they thought it was going to turn around day two. Well, it didn't. They thought it was going to turn around day three. It didn't. They thought it was going to turn around day four. Well, it's a good thing it, it did because they're out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outer bands were right on the edge of Long Island. Uh, a lot of folks say, well, it was, it was like, you know, 500 miles offshore. Well, that's where the center was. The outer bands, it was a big hurricane. And the outer bands were right at the edge of Long Island. And actually, it was raining in Cape Cod. But what happens right outside of a big uh, weather system like that. And also remember, right there is where it was meeting the high-pressure system. People say they feel a storm coming. People with arthritis often say that. Mm-hmm. Bir- birds know to, he- to leave town or to head for cover. They can sense the uh, electricity in the air. They know a storm's coming. As it turns out, in the three major airports surrounding Manhattan that day, on 9-11, thunder was reported. 
Yeah, it was a blue sky right there. It was right on the edge outside this big spiraling weather system that could be seen as a, you know, a huge Tesla coil. Do you think they intentionally underreported that, or do you think that this story just kind of fell between the cracks because of the tower story? Uh, I'm not saying what their intentions were or weren't, but it definitely was underreported because for four days before 9-11, unless you're, you're going to claim they had foreknowledge, but for the four days before 9-11, we, we didn't really hear about it. It wasn't like most uh, uh, weather channels, they, they just start drooling over it. They, they milk them for all they can get. Like, right. oh, the storm's coming. And, oh, watch this. Tune back into our channel. Like Hurricane Bill. Uh, that was, I forgot what year, 2008 or so, 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, around in there. Uh, it was coming the same direction. Oh, should we evacuate? And I know somebody who lived in New York. They don't have cars there. Uh, good news, they don't have cars. But this person had rented a car to make sure they had one so they could escape if they needed to. Yeah. And size-wise, you even compare this to Hurricane Katrina in your book. Right. It covered, you know, the diameter of it was... was uh, as large as Hurricane Katrina, but the but the uh, energy in the in the weather system was more accumulated uh, energy than Hurricane Katrina. Well, it just seems funny that the, that nobody seems. If you bring this up, I, I've asked people, and nobody ever heard anything about a hurricane. Or, or they look and they said, "Oh, it was located. The eye was located way offshore." Well, yeah, the eye was. Mm-hmm. But uh, the outer bands were there. And actually, right after 9-11, remember George Bush went to uh, New York yeah. to look at the site, and it was, ra- it was raining all that day? Right. That was the backside of Hurricane Aaron. That's why it was raining. That's unbelievable. Um, the Hurricane Sandy, or the weather system Sandy, because it, it, it wasn't a hurricane when it uh, went ashore, and you know, it lost strength. It was Category 1, and it lost strength. Uh, I think New York got around 0.55 inches of rain. It was close to two inches of rain from Hurricane Aaron. Hmm. Okay. Well, Dr. Wood, let's take our last break and come back. Listeners, my guest today, Dr. Judy Wood, she's the author of Where Did the Towers Go? And we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. One quick 10-minute call could help you solve your student loan problems. So call right now. Not available in all states. Payments may vary based on income. 855-351-FAST. 855-351-FAST, 855-351-FAST, 855-351-3278. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Tonight, our guest is Dr. Judy Wood, and we're discussing her book, Where Did the Towers Go? Dr. Wood, we only have a few minutes left. There was something interesting that in one of the videos, I saw a video of you, and I believe his name was Andrew Johnson, being, and you're being interviewed, and mm-hmm. they showed a picture of the hole that supposedly the plane made just after the image, and it shows supposedly where there was this explosion. And yet, after this explosion, there's a photo of a woman looking out of the hole waving to people to let them know, I I guess, to let them know she's okay. But how could a woman survive such an explosion? There's more questions. Yeah, I actually have the video of that. I collected it before the days of YouTube when people exchanged videos by the... uh, uh, MOV files, uh-huh. but yeah, she's wait, she's waving, you know, like, come rescue me, I'm alive, come get me. Uh, there, also, she has white pants on, so she climbed through whatever had happened in there to get to where she was, right on the edge of the opening, without getting her pants dirty, which is interesting, and without being cooked, and her hair is flowing in the, in the breeze, and it's not scorched looking, you know, it, it didn't get, get fried off. Oh, that actually is another interesting uh, issue. There's various first responders that describe their clothes catching on fire. There's one particular one's running down the street and vehicles are just exploding next to her and uh, her hair catches on fire, shoelaces catches on, catch on fire, but she doesn't describe being burned afterwards. Wow. She just has bruises, but she, she didn't get hit by anything. It was, it was uh, peculiar. And there's another um, first responder that came out of Building 7 onto the west Broadway, and it was pitch black. I couldn't see your hand in front of your face, and I said, "Well, thank goodness the car started lighting up, because then I could see where I was going." Hmm. So yeah. it, it, didn't, it wasn't that debris fell on them and caught them on fire. Because if you look at a, a helicopter image of it, you see that there's no solid chunks of debris on top of any adjacent buildings, or you know, just the vehicles get yeah, lit up. So, Doctor Wood, everything we've discussed brings us all back to where we started. When we started the interview early on, last week's interview, we were talking about the importance of knowing the what before the who and the why. So to sum up everything, what do you suspect happened as far as 9-11? I mean, what can we... I wasn't suspecting anything. What what happened was there's a new technology out there that can turn buildings into dust in midair, mm-hmm. and that that was used for destructive purposes that day. But once you understand that technology exists, think of all the good things you could do with it. You could you could uh, provide free energy to the world. There's not a scarcity of energy. You know, this this type of technology can be used for, for benefiting people, not for destructive purposes. Uh, but I also look at other patterns that I notice. I do say, what was the purpose of 9-11? Well, let's look at what it does, mm-hmm. you know, what it does to people. When people are afraid, they shut down logical thinking. When people are in revenge mode, they shut down logical thinking. That hit me when I went into uh, campus that day on 9-11. I heard faculty members talking about, well, we've got to go take them out. We've got to take them all out. We have to cold bomb. we got to go. You know, they're in revenge mode. And when people are in revenge mode, they shut off logical thinking. Animals do it, too. That's how you get dogs to fight to the death. They're just in revenge mode. So, you know, saying that, well, it doesn't matter if it's it bin Laden or, if it, you know, or, or people say, well, it was it was nukes or it was... You know, George Bush put thermite in the building. Let's go get George Bush. Well, you're still in revenge mode. It does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Being in revenge mode, and that's an important lesson to learn. It controls you when you're in revenge mode. You're shutting off your thinking. And every year around 9-11, you you see all these these terror scenes. We have beheadings. We got, you know, plane hijacking. All this, this stuff to drum up that fear again to give you a booster shot of fear so that you shut off your brain. Correct me if I'm... Think about what's been allowed to happen since 9-11 because of this. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, if 9-11 hadn't happened, we wouldn't have the kind of surveillance uh, going on. And one of the things that really recently occurred to me, especially near where I live, is uh, you remember this summer there was a fellow who left his kid in his car and the kid burned up, you know, cooked to death. Uh, and, And they could 
show you images of him having breakfast with a kid in McDonald's and going through each intersection on the way to work, backing his car in the parking lot, coming out to put something in his car at noontime. I'm not discussing whether he is or isn't guilty or whatever, but the kind of surveillance that they have that on just any old citizen. It's scary. Or what, you know, what he looked up on his computer. Right. No way would people allow that to happen if 9-11 hadn't occurred. You're absolutely right. And as long as people are afraid, as afraid as you are, realize that that fear is what controls you. Not uh, not them, the bad guys over there. It's the fear that, that controls you. And if you aren't afraid, just say, well, here's what really happened. You are empowered. That's that's what I've found with people who've read my book. They they feel, you know, even though it's scary, they now know what happened. They're not being jerked around by, well, this happened or that happened. And instead of jumping uh, with every, you know, how high should I jump every time someone says jump. And around 9-11, don't turn on your TV set. Yeah. As, as Richard Hall says, you know, a fellow in the U.K., he says, if, you're, if you feel afraid like that, Throw your television set out the window. Yeah, I don't even have one anymore. (laughs) Me neither. Because it it doesn't do any, all it does is uh, condition you to this fear mode. Exactly. And that gets to the critical thinking. That's why I, I really wanted to get you on because I saw, you know, not only do you uncover all this evidence, but you, it gets people to think. And I think that's what's so important. It's like, we go to work, we come home, we turn on the TV, and we let them tell us what to think rather than we use our brains to think. Critical thinking is something of the past almost. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, if the answer is in the back of the book, then it doesn't exist. But instead, if you can think for yourself of what you know that you know that you know, no one can take that from you. Absolutely. And that's what I try to do with my book is like, here's the evidence all compiled in one place conveniently for uh, anyone to look at, and I'm not telling you what to think. I'm just showing you the evidence, saying, look over here, look over there. I might ask a question, you know, uh, wh- what's what's with the engine here? To mm-hmm. draw your attention to that part of the vehicle and say, oh, yeah, that, that is weird over in that part. I'm not saying what, what went on there, but just, does that look reasonable to you? Right. Well, listen, Dr. Wood, thanks so much for taking the last two weeks to talk to us. Listeners, her book is called Where Did the Towers Go? I highly recommend it. It's got great information. She tells all the evidence she found. She's got photos, graphs, all kinds, and she backs all of her sources up. And it's a great book. Again, Where Did the Towers Go? And thank you again, Dr. Wood. And listeners, thanks for tuning in on the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Until next week, God bless.